Welcome to the Downhouse podcast, where we'll discover more about Downhouse School. Whether you're new to our community or an old friend, we'll be delving deeper, sharing stories and finding out what it really means to be a pupil at Downhouse. In our podcasts, we'll explore the Downhouse DNA with different members of the community. For our sixth episode, we look at communication and our host, Simon Jones, speaks to David McClymont on how technology has revolutionised communication at Downhouse. David, thank you for joining us on the Downhouse podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you, Simon. Um, it's it's nice to actually look out the window for once, and it, it's uh, the sun is shining rather than uh, the the horrible uh, way, uh, rain we've been having in uh, in uh, May so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a busy time for the school at the moment. We've got lots of exams and assessments going on for the girls, so we're busily supporting uh, the girls with those. Um, but yeah, it's it's as always at Downhouse, it's it's all go and uh, yeah, very busy. Oh, it's good to hear it. Busy is often a good thing. But tell me what it is then that you do at the school? So I'm, I'm director of uh, information systems which which basically means that uh, if it connects to a, a network point or the internet it's my responsibility um, <laughs> be the uh, security systems the camera systems computers um, the wireless um, the software that we run um, the AV and audio visual um, systems that the school uses for a series of events and things through the course of the year and that all falls under my remit um, I've got a very a very good team who support me with that though um, and uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, as I say, anything that connects to the internet that's mm. uh, that falls under my remit. Now, increasingly, that's a fairly hefty responsibility, I imagine. How does it feel to have that level of responsibility on your shoulders, given the fact that so many people in the school, staff and students alike, depend on that good level of communication? Well, do you know what? I, I really um, I thrive on that. Actually, it's it's um, it's obviously this is an emerging industry um you know and i've been i've worked for the school for 15 years and and certainly we haven't relied on technology as much as we do now um in the early years um and and actually i can't i can't complain because it's it's what i've always wanted so uh, you know the fact that we are now a very uh, digitally conscious uh, community at downhouse mm-hmm. um girls pupils staff our parents um you know in in, in recent times uh, in response to the current situation our parents are joining us for uh, virtual parents meetings okay would I would I have thought that would have, would have been the the case uh, twelve <laughs> months ago? Absolutely not. But um, it's it's proved to be very popular and very successful. Mm. So yeah, it's um, I, I would find it really hard to complain um, about um, having lots to do because I, a I like to work in that way, um, and b it's as I say what we've always wanted. So uh, no, it's, it's a, we're in a really good place in terms of our digital uptake as it were so obviously covid has changed a lot of things in terms of how we communicate in the last well 18 months really but tell me about things like parents evening do you expect the future to continue having some elements of these new ways of communicating so that parents can for example continue to connect with uh, staff in schools without the need to have to come into the school building itself I, th- yeah, I think that it's inevitable now um, because the technology has proved that it can can support such things really well. Mm. However, w- when you think about the community and the and the sort of the lifeblood of a school, mm-hmm. it is its parents, it is its pupils that that really make a school, um, and and we need the parents to come to site and we need to to have them with us for certain things. So I think f- there will be an element of retaining an online part of of parents meetings. 
one aspect in particular that's worked really well is, is obviously our parents from further afield, so our overseas parents, oh, yeah. who have really probably struggled to attend parents' meetings at all yeah. in, the, yeah. in the, sort of the previous years. And now we've actually been able to bring them really seamlessly into the fold with, with all of our other parents, which is a really good positive thing. And we're really pleased mm. about that. So I think we will always now offer an online element of parents' meetings. Um, and it, it may just be parents want to dip in and out of that as a service. You know, For example, they can't make one um, parents' meeting and actually, if we had an online offering that they could, that, then that might be um, a solution for that particular set of parents. Um, so I think I think it's inevitable. And most schools, I think, are, are now at that place as well. So uh, I think online will be with us for some time. Hmm, yeah. OK, so tell me about the the school's digital strategy and how a good digital strategy helps the girls with their education at Downhouse. So I think um, one of the things that we've always found, you know, um, our use of digital technologies to support our teaching and learning. We've always had to have that sort of clear and cohesive strategy um, about what, what, what do we actually want to achieve out of using technology. We certainly don't want to use it as a gimmick. Um, we certainly um, we want to use it where it adds value. So just because you can do something digitally doesn't always mean that you should. Mm. Um, you know, and actually, if, you, if you're not you're not able to achieve an improved educational activity um, as a result of using technology, then you've got to question why you're doing it. Mm. Um, I think, as I say, um, one of the things that that we had was um, there was always an appetite bubbling along underneath to use technology. And there was what I'd lovingly refer to as our digital evangelists um, who, um, you know, the early adopters who who really wanted to start using technology. And they were sort of the foundation of of how we've been able to deploy our digital strategy. Um, And, you know, it's it's, the key part is is training and CPD, um, professional development for staff and making sure that they, you know, are able to use the technology with the right level with the right skills with the right confidence and you know actually giving people time as well um, is a key part of the strategy so our Wednesday CPD sessions are often focused on te- uh, technology and using technical um, solutions to deliver lessons so it's um, it's multifaceted there's lots of strands you've got to pull together um, in terms of 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 how you make what we lovingly refer to as as digital transformation in an educational setting, which is, you know, at the very core, it's change. And okay. nobody likes change. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's a case of advising people what's possible by using technology in education and, and actually developing some of those efficiencies to people to, to show them, you know, actually, if I do this, I can save my time and I can use that time that I've saved for higher value activities. So there's, um, I, I, hopefully that's not too waffly an answer, but I, I do get quite passionate about the, <laughs> the digital transformation side of the school because it's, it's something we're really proud of as well. So. Yeah. So when you mentioned transformation, of course, in March 2020, everybody, the whole world went through mm. a major transformation. How did the staff at Downhouse adapt to that transformation and how easy was it for them to pick up what, or to develop the new skills that they needed to quite rapidly? Well, we, we were really fortunate, actually, Simon, because um, we, we'd already had a couple of years of promoting digital teaching and learning and we'd established a, a Microsoft Surface program for our pupils and the staff had already had the devices. Um, we also um, had very... Um, 
established routes in Office 365. And all of that is the sort of foundation for how we then delivered our remote teaching and learning. So um, as I say, we were very fortunate. Um, when the call came to go to remote learning, it was very much a case of flicking a switch. Um, and we moved all of our lessons to Microsoft Teams, Right. Um, started recording all of our lessons so that our pupils in different time zones, wherever they were in the world, could retrospectively watch lessons and join them. Mm. Um, so as I say, we were really, really fortunate. So we actually turned a lot of our efforts to supporting and helping other schools um, who um, weren't quite so far down their own digital transformation journey, mm. um, which was, was a nice, rewarding thing to do because over the 15 years that I've been at Down, we've we've often asked questions of other people and sought help from others. So it was really nice to be able to give that back to, to other people. So that was, that was a positive thing that we took out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that one of the things you've mentioned before is that AR and VR, that's augmented reality and virtual reality, just for people listening, uh, are the future of many industries and provide a foundation for collaboration and communication. They're your words. What did you mean <laughs> by that? So I think um, one of the things that we're looking at the future of and communication, people think, well, is, is AR and VR actually a, a core communication? Just tell us what AR is then, apart from just defining it as augmented reality. What, what actually is that? Augmented reality is where you, via the virtues of, a, of a, a headset, you can actually see the real world as well as the virtual one that your headset is producing. So it's it's allowing you a way of collaborating for example um, and you know with other people who are also in the physical world you're with but also some who are in the virtual so other people could be joining you remotely as well okay and right. I, I guess the most tangible example of that is for example the, the vision of someone like Microsoft for example and their new mesh platform that they're building which is an augmented reality platform is they envisage people all around the world working together on projects and problems um, okay. and doing so in a completely mixed and virtual um, platform. So you may have some people who are physically in the same room looking at the same project or problem, uh-huh. but you have other people who are joining you and seeing that same physical room through their headset and they're appearing to you as if they're in the room as well. So it's really exciting stuff. Um, you know, it's it's the sort of thing that's going to be used in uh, medical practices a lot, where Gosh, doctors yeah. from all over the world collaborate together on on procedures with patients. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a foundation. It's really exciting, and, and we're we're hoping to start looking at, at that in a lot more detail at Downhouse and using it. Some of our studies, um, it's the sort of thing that's really commonplace in a lot of universities um, already. So we're really hoping that we can sort of get ahead of the game on on this whole topic, really. Because at the moment, when you think about, or when some people think about augmented reality, maybe they're imagining how that coffee table from Ikea looks when they view their living room through their iPhone (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) But what we're talking about here is a complete, well, you mentioned digital transformation. That's exactly what it is, isn't it? In the way that girls are educated at Downhouse in the future. Absolutely. And I think it's it's a really exciting time. I think, again, a lot of people um, might not fully appreciate what AR or VR is and and I think there's that risk that until you actually consider the wider context it does it feels like a gimmick and yeah you know yeah. it's I think when you when you actually are aware of the concepts and and how it can be used for so much good in the future hmm. um, I think it, it, it does lose that gimmicky label I think so how else do you see the world of communication changing in the future then I think I think in terms of I mean, there's there's a big uh, push at the moment to not mistake connectivity for communication actually um, you know we're all we're all connected via our various apps and our various mobile devices and things of like this but that's not just 
communication now they, that is just connection um and i think you know there's a lot of studies that are going around at the moment that sort of, that sort of high percentage of, of millennials for example are you know uh, there was a study done that they were they were missing out on conversations because they were distracted by their phone you know so there's there's lots of work that education has to do mm-hmm. um society as a whole has to do in in i think i, I keep saying this on a number of fronts but the, the acquiring a balance mm. you know we all you know we're all at risk and there's lots of jokes and buzzwords around in social media that we're all looking at our phones all the time mm. um and i think that's a, that's a risk that we, we're going to miss out on some of the other bits of life that um, we perhaps need to apply balance to how we use it but but um that's one thing that we're we're working with the pupils every day on making sure that you know they're 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 using communication and their devices in a positive way mm. um, rather than just holistically. You know, um, it's it's a, a social um, situation. It's probably not one of a, a technical need. Um, but on the, the flip side of that, I think the future of, um, you know, we're already looking at 5G networks coming along and the, the speed of our communication networks becoming 100 to 1,000 times faster. And I've, I've literally just heard that 6G is now in development as well, which would be Gosh. even faster. So, um, however, I think that is a, that's projected to be about sort of 10, 15 years away. So, um, so one to watch. But, yeah, there's lots of, uh, lots of positives that would come from that and the fact that, um, you know, as much as we've got to make sure we've got that balance of communication in our locker mm-hmm. um, when we do want communication as a society it needs to be quick and efficient one of the other things that we've really demonstrated in the last 12 to 18 months is actually the technology we've already got is very good and very capable of, of delivering things like online learning and making sure that businesses and people can remain connected uh, so there's an established platform there so if, the, if that connection gets even quicker one would argue that it's it's only going to get better interesting when you talk about quicker connections, what does that actually translate into in the benefits that we would see? I mean, on the one hand, I guess we could download download a movie quicker, but in the world of education and real world benefits, how does that actually play out? Yeah, I mean, this the upload, the sharing. I mean, we're we're uh, as a school, we're now fully cloud based, so all of our uh, connections, whether it's on our mobile devices or on our internal wireless. We're uploading, downloading files, not just browsing the internet, but like files that we're sharing and working on with each other. It's that very basic level of collaboration that we've got going on. Mm. And that's kind of, the, as I was saying about the, the collaboration of, of people and the way that they work in the future, that's faster, reliable connections is going to make that even more possible. Um, you know, so it's, it, is, it is key that we keep improving these things and making them better. But it's it's yeah it's it's frustrating that we have to wait for, for them to develop fully and, and roll out. So it's um, you know it's something we've got as I say balance and need to be realistic. It's not the end of the world that we haven't got five G yet. <laughs> so do you find on that basis in your position in uh, in the school that you do find that level of frustration where technology hasn't come along to enable you to do what you can see we'll be able to do in the future, but we can't do right now. Well, I mean, but I think back to when I was starting out when we had modem. I mean, the young people of today will never, ever experience a dialing up modem. <laughs> or um, I hadn't, I didn't have a mobile phone when I first started working. I had a pager, you know, so the frustration of having to, to message someone back in a series of numbers and codes and things rather yeah. than actually having a conversation or texting or WhatsApping or whatever the, hmm. the buzz technology is. But, yeah, it's... Um, 
it's an exciting time. Um, I think I think I can't I can't stress enough that you know there was a little bit of trepidation when we had to make that flip to mm-hmm. online learning. There was a little bit like, is this going to work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I was I, obviously for public viewing. I was I was absolutely confident it was definitely going to work. But um, <laughs> it was yeah. There was always that. Is it going to work? We're going to have. I mean, the, the stats are incredible. We had almost eight hundred teams meetings per week, Gosh. Um, which is all of our lessons taking place. Yeah. You know, so when you start seeing those stats, you. And, and it's it's almost happening without a blip. Yeah. You think, wow, this technology is actually in quite a good place. And you know, whilst we'd never have wanted a pandemic such as we've had to to be the the reason we've had to prove that, mm. um, it has proved it, and it has proved that it's that it is there, and there's a platform on which we can now really build. And I think the the expedited approach of a number of schools to digital transformation has has been as a result of the pandemic. So mm. whilst that's been a terribly negative and an, an awful thing that we've all gone through that's probably one of the few positives that's come out of it is that mm. education has had a, a real uptake on on how it adopts digital technologies hmm. oh, i see i see david i got a couple of quick questions for you now uh, sure. nothing at all to do with the school's communications uh, digital transformation policy um what phone are you using right now yourself Oh, that's a tricky question for me. Well, I am. Um, I do use an iPhone, and I've probably got a reputation at, at Downhouse and Beyond for being a, a bit of a slave to Microsoft, and, and I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. But um, <laughs> I personally have a preference for an iPhone, so I've, I, I do have an iPhone. Um, that's interesting. And, someone in your position, though, enjoying the benefits of Microsoft, but then also using iPhone. Often, people in your position tend not to like anything to do with Apple. Well, the thing is, my background, I, I used to actually work for the, I'm quite strange because there is very much that PC and Apple d- divide, effectively. Mm. And I used to work for the Apple Centre in Reading. Um, okay. and, I, and I ran a PC support department for them. So I was very much, uh, you know, I used to take the Apples apart and work on them as well. Right. And um, it was actually, you know, I've always been able to see the benefits of both platforms. I really, I, I think at the moment, and I, I feel that this more than ever at the moment, is that Microsoft's educational offering is actually uh, winning in the education sector at the moment. I don't think Apple are really at the races in that regard at the moment. No. Google have got a very a very sound platform as well, and a number of schools benefit from Google. Do I think Apple will come again? A- absolutely. I think they're too big um, to, to just completely falter and not play a part in right. that exciting market. But at the moment, I think Microsoft are the best offering. I think the fact that they use an iPhone is just because I'm stuck in my ways and I know how it works. Um, <laughs> um, my my colleagues tried to, to convince me that um, that the Android platform for the phone is is uh, is one that I should consider. But I, again, again, it comes back to that argument of change. Nobody likes change. I know how that works. I'm going to stick with it. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's um, it's a tricky one. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first mobile phone? Ooh, first mobile phone. I think. I actually had, well, it would have been a Nokia. It would have been like a Nokia 3310, the one that you could play Snake on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, as a, as a field engineer. Is that engineer. Snake in colour or Snake in black and white, though? Oh, no, it would have been black and white, definitely, <laughs> back in those days. But um, I, my first phone at Down House was actually a BlackBerry. So, okay. Um, and that was probably, it was right at the start of when emails, going back to our theme of communication, mm. when emails were first being sort of sent to people on their mobile phones. Yeah. Um, and the BlackBerry was one of the first platforms that did that really well. Because from memory, BlackBerry did it through push technology instead yes. of yes, absolutely. So we, that's what all of the IT engineers, and then we started fil- filtering those out to the, the the wider staff. 
I think at one point we also went on the Windows phone for a while, okay. <laughs> which was so Sorry I was in that. the Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you feel my pain. Um, but we were on the Microsoft bandwagon there as well. Um, and then I think we've we've just got to the point where the, the apps and the the social media and the way that we communicate with our uh. various demographics, you know, um, we needed actually the the seamless integration with the Apple phone was just the natural choice for those things. Mm. And it's kind of stuck, really. And tell me one thing that you're excited about for the future when it comes to mobile devices and how it can change and impact our lives positively. I think I'm just I'm just really excited about, um, you know, this this as I keep going back to this period of 12 months, you know, video is the new voice, mm. um, you know, and actually, you know, if you're looking to establish that platform for collaboration where people can break down the the barriers of distance and being all in different places you know i think we've we've proved that and we can now build on that you know but i'm really excited about that um you know i could go on about the environmental impact of of us not flying all over the world just Mm. for for two hour meetings then flying back you know um technology's got a great role to play in that Uh, i'm all for travel i love traveling but Mm. you know for 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 the sake of a one hour meeting i think there's better choices to be made but as i say video is the new voice and you know i think my my desk phone ran the other day and um and i I kind of looked at a surprise at it because every every call i have with people now is is either done on microsoft teams or zoom or whatsapp and then my desk phone rang and i was (laughs) was what's that (laughs) it hasn't rung in months i didn't didn't know it still worked so um but you know it's it's great and that technology that still works and it's working telephone is trying to keep up with using the internet to to reduce costs and all those things but you know, it's nothing better than being able to see people's faces, especially yeah. after we've been through this these series of lockdowns where, you know, everyone's felt so far apart. Yeah. And the fact that that we've been able to see our families and our colleagues and our friends has, has been a really positive thing, again, mm. for the, the video development. Mm. Mm. And much more to come, I'm sure. Absolutely. David, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. If anyone's got any follow-up questions, anything they wanted to ask you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Please do email me, um, uh, D at downhouse.net. Um, I'm also um, on IT help desk at downhouse.net. We're, we're all able to share that mailbox, and I'm really, really happy to, to answer any questions anyone would have about where we're going or what technology we're currently using. Um, so please do just get in touch, and, um, and I'm, uh, I'll see you on a video call sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you about the digital strategy at school. It's been great hearing about the kind of phone that you used to have as well. David, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Simon. And that was Communication with David McClymont. David, thank you for coming on to this episode and talking to us today. And as he said, you can contact him directly by emailing McClymontd at downhouse.net. That's M-C-C-L-Y-M-O-N-T and then D for David at downhouse.net. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be looking at the importance of being outward looking. So to make sure you don't miss that, then now is a good time to follow this podcast channel. And it just means that you'll receive a small notification when the next episode is ready for you. But that's for the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening to this episode. and We look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.